apparently there are actually a lot of podcasts called The Teacher's Lounge. So I, I don't know. Uh, apparently I'm not exceedingly creative. So I tried to also go with lunch duty, which of course <laughs> opens us up to multiple spellings on duty. But, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge. This is a podcast based on the discussions of three educators as we attempt to use the 23 minutes that all teachers have for lunch to change the world, or at least our teaching for the better. But we're going to put it for now underneath the Editor Best's Teacher's Lounge. Okay, what's on, what's on tap for lunch today? Um, taco soup um, and coconut vanilla yogurt. Oh, no, adult-sized yogurt, though, right? Yeah, oh, it is Greek yogurt, I should say. I mean, oh, it's, so it's, it's not... It's, so it's basically soured yogurt. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm having a, some pizza and a Mountain Dew. Uh, again. Uh, again. That's I like know. last time. <laughs> That's okay. I'm not even eating because I had Subway for breakfast because, well, it, you know, it was, a, it was a rough morning this morning. So, speaking of, last time we talked about extra credit, and extra credit led into the discussion of... How do you grade for behavior? Is behavior a part of the grade, etc.? And in full disclosure, uh, I was standing out in the hallway doing my duty here uh, last hour, uh, duty D-U-T-Y, just for clarification, and uh, in my classroom as the students entered, yep, they started a fight. And so in my most academically needy class, the issue always centers around behavior. So that, that brings us to the next part of the discussion. Before we can even get to academic assessment, what, what part does behavior play in assessment, if at all? Well, it, it, it definitely plays a part. There are two parts it plays. One, it does play the part of somehow we do use that as an evaluation on the kid at times. If a student doesn't have the basic skills of behavior of like organization and daily you know, focus and that kind of stuff, they're not going to do very well anyway. I mean, that, that's, that's one of the things we do struggle with our kids that can't organize their work. And when you say what's organization, it's nothing more than a behavior. So organization so, can't be, although it's 100% effect, has an effect on academics, yeah. we wouldn't necessarily call that an academic subject. No, but we just know that's a part of it. So like, we might not even do that on purpose, but I know, like I've tried to, because I used to, uh, I used to grade notes in like every class. Did you take notes? Did you stay on top of stuff? And I stopped doing that because I realized all I'm doing is rewarding my kids who are organized, and I'm giving them extra points because they just are acquiescing in class to taking notes. That doesn't mean they got it any better. Some of them don't get it at all, uh, but they are like, I can sit and stare at you quietly and write down the stuff we're covering in class. Which has no academic Which bearing. Which has no academic bearing whatsoever. I, now, I still do it with my flip geometry, but that's because I want, I mean, if I don't, they won't write any of the stuff down. So I need some kind of thing to keep them into, and it's a very minimal portion of their grade. Um, and it's basically them, it's like them doing the work I need them for outside of class like I would for anything else. Okay. And so it's like an accuracy grade. Did you copy it correctly? Because if they don't, I take points off. It's not like I'm like, oh, you did something. No, it's, you didn't write the theorems down. You didn't do the problems that I did in the video. So there's no credit to you there. I think homework, If uh, for me, looking at homework and grading on completion, there there is definitely that element of their learning 
the material there, but there's also an element of you're you're following the rules, you're doing what's expected of you. Even if you missed every problem, I'm still going to give you those homework points. So that's grading on your behavior in a lot of ways. Like, are you participating in being part of this class on a daily basis? Right, and to be fair, to that end, that's why as a department, we, we unilaterally just decided, all of, all of us math teachers, that we're, we're going to change the way we weight all of the grades. Assessment is now worth 80% of the grade if you're in a weighted class. So if you have weighted grades, if people are familiar with those. So for your upper level class, it's 80% for assessment, 20% for practice. So we have two categories, assessment and practice. And for those kind of middle level groups, it becomes a 70-30 split. And for our most struggled learners, we still are working at a 60-40 split uh, in some cases. So we just have two categories, assessment, things that are marked right or wrong that are graded according to a rubric of some sort versus practice, which really kind of boils down to behavior in most cases. Yeah. Am I accurate, yeah. guys? Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I have some that I do grade for accuracy, um, but mostly it is you did what I asked you to do. And so you did it. Great. You know, but I did like, but I will if like, oh, this is all wrong. I will, I've started doing more like I take a little bit off just because of the fact that I'll find a student says, well, I got a perfect on this, but why isn't it translating to the tests? And so I've been doing more like, well, you got a three out of a 3.5 out of four, or you got a four and a half out of five, just something a little off if you missed all of them clearly or missed almost all of them so that it isn't they get an A plus on their homework every time but they can't do it on the test because again then I have to explain to the parent well that's more of a behavior grade than a performance grade and that kind of stuff so I've been trying to find ways to kind of pull that back a little bit still now and, and that's the thing is again to set the scene we're in a very traditional district and the idea of well why, why don't you guys just go to you know, a behavior grade and an academic grade entirely separate, listed on the grade report, et cetera. That's, that's not the community in which we work. It's it's just not. And that's okay. It's just we're not there. No, I would love to be able to do that. And part of this, I kind of, I'm just going to steal from my wife because she teaches as well. For her parent-teacher conferences, she has that. She's like, a, they're not standards-based at their school, but that's how she does her conferences where she has their core skills of what they should know in the class. And if they don't have it, then she says, you know, this is what they're lacking. And then there's the behavioral component as well so that she can say, yeah, your kid's doing great academically, but their behavior is blah. Or if your kid is, you know, they're struggling with this concept, but really, look, they're doing everything I'm asking them to do every day. They're on top of stuff. They're a great kid. It's just they're struggling with um, inference and reading or something like that. And I wish we could tell parents that because it'd be nicer to have that as a thing of, yeah, your student's getting it. Evaluation-wise, they're doing perfect, but uh, they're not really doing their work completion or they're in class, but they don't participate really. They kind of just hold off on their own. This is going to be something they need to learn to work on because it's going to come back to them eventually that they can't work in a group or that they can't do daily tasks. But their ability is such that, yeah, they're keeping up with things fine. And I think with looking at that, thinking, okay, even if we as a department have, here's our streamline, here's what math looks like, you're talking about these kids who have seven other classes. So now you have seven other expectations. And so there's so much of a muddying of the water because 
we all do something a little bit different department wise. Yeah. Uh, and so like for parents, I understand why parents don't understand because they're just like, uh, well, is that the way it is in math? Okay. Is that how it is in English? Uh, and so that, you know, some type of, you know, a little bit more of that consistency is what we're shooting for and what we've kind of come to as the department. And that's, that's true. Now, here's the other thing is how would you answer the question of, well, it's school, so it's academics, only grade them on the academics. Is that a, is that a fair thing to say? Not, I mean, I get that because, um, you know, when you, you look at some of your kids and you're like, this kid can do everything I ask of them. But they cannot do any sort of skill that they can't work with other people or if I ask them to do something. Like if I ask them to try this problem, they won't. They'll sit and stare at me until I do the problem. And they'll absorb it and they can do it back then. But the problem is that's something that I would think anybody who's ever going to work with that student would want to know that there are certain skills they don't have. Because we just interviewed Brian a couple of years ago. And I knew Boy, him. that worked out. Yeah. And I knew him. <laughs> and I knew him through Scholastic Bowl, but that was it. I knew he taught math. He seemed competent. Hey, come out and interview. You know, we have an opening. But I would never have thought to say, hey, his scores on his, you know, application or on his transcript look good. Let's not talk to him at all. Let's not even test. Just give him a test and see if he can actually just do the teach. No, we had to sit and talk with him and go, does he fit? Does he have a temperament that we could work with? And you would never do anything like that in, in a job world. So why would we treat education the same way of like, no, they can just perform on a test. That's all we need to know. There are skills you need to know about as, as a school, as a student that's going to apply there or a job or whatever. We never leave it up to just some objective test. We have some sort of subjective quality that we'd like to have measured as well. Well, and that goes back to educating the whole child. Um, yeah, I can teach the kid math. Well, that's a silo. Well, okay, we can teach a kid English. That's a whole silo. Uh, whatever it is, but that doesn't address the whole child. And like it, lump it, indifferent, schools are a social organization, and they are a social service. We've made it such by our law, by our expectations, by society's expectations and community norms that... We're a social service. We're a social entity. And businesses, colleges, everybody downstream from us expects us to work not just on math, but work on higher-order thinking skills, collaboration skills, team building, uh, creativity, mm -hmm. all of these items. And so the idea that we can just grade on what would be considered hardcore academic is, is just kind of silly because that won't meet the needs that our community expects of us. So then that becomes how do we represent that? How do we break those components out? Sorry, and that's where I think you'd have to have, honestly, if we ever did do that, you'd have to have some sort of behavioral standards that are consistent in every class. That's what it'd have to come down to. Like as a district, we have, we, as a district and a community, we value these five or six core behaviors. And how does the student perform in those? And then, okay, uh, this in this class you perform, you know, just something that's consistent across the board because that's also what a grade does is it tries to give some sort of consistency across across different groups and or different classes. And we have to do that. 
I mean, that's what it'd have to be. Yeah. It, it ha- well, that gets into, and we're never going to get away from those grades. But you know, some of the some schools um, that are a little bit more higher, like magnet schools. Like I've heard stories about how they'll they don't give a grade; they give a here's your here here's where you're at for the year. Here's where your deficiency are. You need to work on those. But we're all ta- we're also talking about students that are going to go on and get a 34 or better on their ACT. Uh, so you know. That in a perfect world, we'd be able to say, okay, well, it's not given A, a B, a C. We're going to tell them, hey, you're you've met these standards here. Here's your weaknesses. Um, here's where you're at in terms of organization. Here's areas that you can improve, and then just let them. Oh, great. Okay, and that's what I need to work on. That would be a utopia that we're never going to get to. Uh, but that would, you know, kind of bridging that gap and trying to find that balance of okay, here's what we would like. Well, and there's a certain point, too, where, you know, you, I think this is, I don't know about you guys, if you can remember back this far for yourselves, but I didn't have grades that were percentage-based grades until fourth grade. My grades from kindergarten through third grade. E, S, and U. My S, it was plus, S, minus, and U. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and, like, you had these categories, you like, and it was a huge report card. It had, like, 30 things that he tried to evaluate the student on. But there was no, hey, you've got this percentage to get to get an A. It was just like, the kid can do this plus. The kid can't do this. Or they can kind of do it well enough. S. And I feel like, especially younger grades, I don't I have a daughter who's eight, and I look at her grades and her report card, and I'm like, well, she's got A's and everything, but I want to know how is she doing with the soft skills? Because I know she can read and can add. Like I know those things is here do the work. But I don't know how does she work with her fellow students? Does she work well in groups? Does she, you know, is she is she on top of things in class? Because she's kind of spacey at home. <laughs> you know, so like those are things I want to know for her because I'm like those are things we need to like be. I feel like she should be learning because when she gets to sixth or seventh grade, that transition to junior high and all of a sudden you've got completely different teachers for every hour. That's where she'll fall apart at is if she can't handle the the soft skills. Well, and this is not shocking at all. I mean, you you have your masters in. Edu- math education. Mm-hmm. I have my master's in admin, like, well, everybody. And you have your master's in math ed or math straight? Math ed. Math ed, okay. So, you know, we all go back to our methods classes. Well, this educational model says this is education. The reality is, as long as the government pays part of the bill, and as long as the public foots the bill, we're going to use some sort of industrial model for education. And the industrial model says, in the end, we want consistency. We want a graded product. This is grade A academic beef. This is grade B academic beef. This is what we can send to the school's public cafeterias. Um, that's that's what we're looking at, and it's a massive frustration when we're trying to be asked to do everything for everybody. But just like a meeting we were just in where we had teachers that were complaining about, this is an impossible test. Yes, folks, we're asked to do the impossible every single day. So I think the only thing we can really take away from this discussion of does behavior feed into grades, the answer is we have to admit the dirty secret, like extra credit, that from time to time, yeah, it does. It does feed in. How you choose to include that, how you choose to report that varies. And I think the thing to take away for the individual teacher is in your conversations with parents, we can provide more than a letter grade. 
in our conversations with students, we can provide more than a percentage. We can say, these are the areas you are good in, these are the areas you're struggling in, the grade is simply a result of that, but it's these behaviors that are leading you forward or holding you back. So that's another episode of Edit Your Best Teacher's Lounge. And so we will catch you guys next time. Thank you very much for joining us. Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge. This is a podcast based on the discussions of three educators as we attempt to use the 23 minutes that all teachers have for lunch to change the world, or at least our teaching for the better. Bye.